Yeah, I'm just going to pray. Yeah, God, we just call on your name this morning, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that, that we can call on your name and that you hear our voice, God, that there's, there's no name that's greater to call on. And God, I just pray that as you've given me these words to share, God, today and the battle that I've had just uh, preparing, God, this word, God, I know that it's going to um, touch people, encourage people and challenge people, God. So God, I just pray that you'll prepare hearts and and God, I just pray that your spirits would fall afresh in this place this morning, fall afresh on our hearts, fall afresh in this place. And, and God, I just pray as well as the Life Centre is um, starting up again, God, to be built and, and, and built up upwards, God. God, I just pray for that place, God, that we see all around us more than ever the need God, we, we sit with people who are contemplating taking their own lives. The things that go on that nobody else might see, God, but you see. God, this place is needed. This place is relevant, God. And God, we just pray that this will be a time, God, that we can be the answer, God, for our, our small area of Bolton, God, that we can point people towards you. Amen. Amen. Good morning. You're doing okay? Last week I was at Horwich and uh, so it was good to be there and see how things are growing over there and they've had a, a garden built this week and actually today they've got their first baptismal service in a long time so they've got many people going through the waters of baptism. Um, so it was lovely to see what is happening there. And I just want to ask you um, a question just as I start this morning um, and I just want to ask you, you know, why are you here this morning? You know, obviously this morning you've had to, had to set an alarm, haven't you? I've had to set an alarm, or Richard sets an alarm actually, uh, to get up. We've chosen what we're going to put on, haven't we? We've decided to come to this place. We've decided to have our breakfast, to prepare ourselves, and actually to come. And I want to ask you, why? Why is it that you've come today? Is it out of habit? Is it because the kids get looked after for a couple of hours? Is it a social that you like seeing your friends? And there's nothing wrong with all these different things as well. Or is it that you're on a rotor and actually you only come when you're on that rotor? Is it that you've come here with your heart open for God to speak to you and to worship him? And I think that's a good question to ask ourselves every now and again when we come to church. As actually, why are we spending this time coming to church is it a habit or is it that we've got that heart after God's? And we're talking about, Ima started off so well last week on our, our new series. And I'm continuing on the love God part of that today. Um, and I'm talking about the greatest commandment in the Bible. And I know that she touched on this very briefly last week. But it's in Matthew 22, verse 34. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. Um, and one of the experts in the law, I think they were trying to catch him out, you know, because he'd done his office I've got the Ten Commandments. And I think they were testing him because they said to him, but teacher, what is the greatest commandment of them all in the law? And Jesus replied with these words, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Then the second is to love your neighbour as yourself. And in that part comes your family, your spouse, your children, your friends and anyone else that you might meet in your world. You know, and as Christians, um, we start, don't we, with that personal revelation of God's love for us. And to love with all your heart, to love another with all your heart, shouts to me of intimacy. It shouts to me of a close relationship, a relationship that's growing and active, starting, increasing day by day. 
because it's actually then, only then, when our hearts are transformed by God and his love, that actually we can do the other part of that commandment to love others, can't we? You know, the, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit transforms our thinking, transforms how we see people, transforms how we see those people that maybe nobody else could love or like. It's only through the Holy Spirit. We can't do that on our own, own strength. And as Richard reminded us just a couple of weeks ago, that actually we can't pour out God's love unless God has poured into us. And that starts with loving God first. You know, what is your relationship with God like at the moment? Where is it in the priority? We've talked, haven't we, about family, friends, neighbours, jobs, finances, things. Where is God in your list of priorities at the moment? Is it an intimate, loving relationship? Is it your first? Is it your best? Or is it slipped down that slide of that, of that? Is it the first? Or is it the second? Or is it the third? Or maybe it slipped down to the last place in your thoughts and in your mind. And I would just want to share today just three thoughts um, on what loving God first will bring to your world. The first one is, and Matt actually just pray, uh, sang it over us before, and the first one is this. And so God is in this message, so listen, listen up to what God's saying to us. But loving God first positions you on the strongest foundation. You know, we, when life, um, life happens, we want to be stood on a firm foundation, don't we? And I've shared this story before. I've certainly shared it with the ladies. So if you've heard this story before, forgive me, but I felt God really prompted me to share it again. Um, but I wanted to talk about when my daughter, Rebecca, who's now 27, was, was very young. And she was plagued as a, a, a baby, going on to a young person until she was about 13, with regular, um, really severe kidney infections, which caused her great pain. And, and one, month of the, one, one week of the month, we would always end up back in Pendlebury Children's Hospital as an inpatient, or she was an inpatient. And that's now Manchester Children's Hospital, but back then it was in Pendlebury. And between, I was working at the bank, but between me, her dad, her nana, her grandma, somebody was all, always be there with her during these spells in hospital. But it was a tough season, you know, seeing a child in agony and in pain and having IV antibiotics was difficult. But actually, when we got, to, when she was about age 11, they got to a point where they said, we can do a corrective surgery to try and help the number of infections that she's having, which actually worked. And I remember... Um, the play specialist coming down to the ward to explain to her uh, what the operation was going to do. They explain it on a teddy and they show you where they're going to go in and where the cut's going to be and all that. Um, and then I remember walking down with her to the theatre. I remember the smell of the strawberry gas that they give you a little blast of. So I say, this is going to go over your mouth now and you're going to go to sleep. And I remember feeling really fearful. I remember looking down at her and I remember her looking back up at me saying, Mummy, why do you look so worried? Jesus is with me. Even though you're going back now to the ward, Jesus is with me. Out of the mouths of babes, you know, and she was stood on a firm foundation, wasn't scared about what was going to happen because she was walking into that theatre with Jesus. You know, and I remember going back to the ward and sitting on a bed and I remember waiting and praying, waiting and praying, praying and waiting and looking up at the nurses and when there was news. But then suddenly, as I was waiting and praying to God, I had this overwhelming sense. It was like an out-of-body experience. I don't know how to describe it, really. It was, it was supernatural. And I remember being, um, having this overwhelming sense of, of God's love. But not only for me, but for my child. That actually that love was so 
powerful, so consuming, that actually God showed me actually what the love he had for my child, as much as a mother loves a child, that God showed me the love that he had for her was even more than I had for her. So she was in a safe place because she was with somebody that was actually loved her more than I did. And it was literally a life-changing moment for me because you can't get away from that, can you? I've experienced and seen that love that God has for his children. And I just wanted to encourage you in here, maybe that's you today, that you're worried for a loved one. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's for a friend, maybe it's for a parent, maybe it's for a spouse. Maybe you're worrying and fretting and God wants you to sit in his presence for him to show you his all-consuming love for them. That actually they're safe in his hands. You know, if I can receive that from sitting and waiting in a, theater, in, a, in a hospital ward, then God can do that for you too. You know, and the key thing there was, is when we worry, is to turn those worries into prayers. And in praying, you're surrendering that person, aren't you, to God. And that's when God's peace comes and settles you down. It's in the Bible, it's in Proverbs somewhere. And it says that we turn our worries into prayers and then the peace of God will come and settle you down. And that is literally, so when you worry, you catch yourself in worry. Turn them worries into prayers and surrender that worry to Jesus. You know, and there's been several times in my life as I've sat in Jesus' presence, often in the worst of times when we cry out to God, isn't it? When I'm crying out to God. But then there's also times in worship at church when maybe we're, we're kneeling in front of God. Times of great joy at home, maybe. Times when I've experienced a fresh revelation of God's love and all-consuming. It's immeasurable. It's consuming. It's, it's literally, it's never stopped seeking after you. You know, but you find that when you stop and seek God and loving him first with all your heart. You know, in those moments, nothing else matters. You know, when you're in Jesus' presence, nothing else matters and your perspective changes. And, you know, the week before last, Becky Mealy reminded us of the story of Martha and Mary, didn't she? And a few people came forward for prayer and said that they've been busy fretting and worrying and not putting Jesus in his rightful place. And I wonder, you know, in that moment, we can be caught up, can't we? But actually, from there on, have, have you spent that time? Have you put God first? You know, God challenges us and we need to do something with that challenge, don't we? And it made me start thinking, what would I do if Jesus appeared at my door? What if he knocked on my door in Howard, where I live? You know, firstly, would I know him? Is my relationship with him enough that I would know him straight away? Would I recognize him straight away? Would I be pleased to see him? Sometimes we think, do you know, I'm ready to meet Jesus, but not till I'm 70. I want, to do, I want to try these things out. I want to experiment with these things first. Then I'll get my right, life right with God. Then I'll put him in the first place. You know, would your first thought be to put it on social media? Look at me, Jesus, come to my door. Come and have a look at my, my life on social media. Or would it be to make everything perfect in your home so you were ready to sit with your saviour? You know, what would your mind's attention be if Jesus knocked on your door today? You know, because what our mind attention's on is what gets our heart's affection. What our mind's attention is on will get your heart's attention. You know, and Mary um, chose the better thing. She chose to rest and sit at Jesus' feet. And Martha, um, Jesus gently reminds her, he's not a harsh God, he gently reminds her that she had chosen the better thing. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you, Matthew 6, verse 33. 
You know, when you seek God first, you will actually get to know him and actually you'll become the best person that God created you to be. You know, Jesus becomes our firm foundation when we spend time with him. With, with him. Is he your firm foundation this morning? You know, then everything else can flow from that security. You know, you will be securely anchored when those storms come. Storms come, don't they? Storms come and storms go. But when we're anchored on that firm foundation, those waves don't rock you. Loving God with all your heart makes you brave. You know, we can't do some of these things alone, can we? It says in Psalm 138 verse 3, When I called, you answered, and you made me bold. We need boldness, don't we? Yeah, when our identity is found in Christ, he gives us that foundation and that confidence that can only come from him. And the second thing is, loving God first makes you content. You know, only a relationship with God, with all your heart, can create contentment whatever the circumstances. Not in some of the circumstances, but all the circumstances. And I I loved looking back at the story of Daniel in the Bible. Um, and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, a very famous story where these men were going to be thrown into a fire and killed unless they bowed down and worshipped the king. And they refused to worship another god despite the threat of death. Listen to these words. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God or worship the gold statue you have set up. And we know the story, or maybe you don't know the story, but when they were thrown into the flames, um, they, there was a fourth person standing there. And there's different commentaries about who that fourth person is, but I'd like to think that it's Jesus standing with them. Some people think it's an angel. Some people think it's a warrior sent from God. But, uh, and they came out without the smell of smoke on them. They were in a blazing furnace, but they came out without the smell of smoke. That's what we can have in our lives when we have that relationship with Jesus, putting him first. But I love the story when Daniel says that even if he wasn't saved, it wouldn't change his love and his faith, his trust in the purpose of Jesus, whatever the outcome is. Do we have that same faith and contentment? That's the sort of relationship that we need to be desiring. That's the sort of relationship I want to develop to desire I want that faith to be an even if faith you know how often do we forget when we're going through the fire that Jesus is is there with us you know we think of Martin and Julie with their son Stephen you know facing their fire at the moment with Stephen in intensive care Jesus is stood there with them Jesus is with them they're not alone You know, Jesus wants to settle us, to calm us, to give us peace. Remind us that all things work together for those that love him. But are we looking for for him in the fire or are we fixing our eyes on the blaze and the heat? You know, for us, do we have that even if attitude? Do we desire to have that even if attitude, whatever the outcome? Do we trust in God's purposes for our lives? You know, even if God doesn't heal me from that pain, that constant pain that I'm in, even if God doesn't save my marriage, even if God doesn't save my child from addiction or from whatever it is they're going through in my lifetime, even if I don't get seen for that new job or promotion, 
you know, we were recently, a few weeks ago, we had a, a short holiday in Portugal. And on the very first morning, I woke up, and I woke up with a crick in my neck. How annoying. Typical, isn't it? Um, you know, there's sort of cricks in your neck where you literally have to, like, do that to, like, look around. So at breakfast, Richard was sort of saying, are you, you going to go and get an egg from over there? And I'm like, where? <laughs> it's over there. It wasn't very glamorous. And uh, Richard wanted to hire a motorbike because that's what we do on holidays and we go and explore. And also it was just so hot, we needed to get out and about. Um, so you can imagine me, can't you, sat on the back of this mot- motorbike um, with, like, this crick in my neck, this constant pain, tapping at Richard to slow down because of my neck and going over bumps and saying, slow down over those bumps. But literally, I could see things whizzing past, but I could only sort of glance. And I really felt, because I was one of those people that was listening to the, um, to the, to the service while I was on holiday, um, but I really felt that, that when I was listening to the worship that day, I really felt that God was trying to tell me something through this crick in my neck. And I really felt that, He was trying to get my attention. And I didn't really stop and seek him about it for about three days. I'm living with this crick in my neck, going on this motorbike and walking very strange. But then when I actually was on the back of the motorbike one one day, I remember God whispering in my ear and saying, this is the position that I'm calling you into. I'm calling you into a position where you you just focus straight ahead. You're focused on me, fixing your eyes on Jesus and not looking all around, distracted by all those things. And I feel that's a message for us as the bridge as well, not just for me, that actually we're in very, very strange times, aren't we? And I think more than ever, Jesus is calling us into that relationship of loving him him first, but also that fixed relationship where we can see all the things of the world whizzing past. We can see all the distractions of that person, of this person, of the better car, the better job, the more money, the better relationship, the grass being greener over there, all those different things that the devil wants to tell you, but God is calling us in this time, in this place, to stand and stare straight ahead, fixing our eyes on him. You know, do you know that it's no accident that you're sat here this morning? It's no accident that you're part of the Bridge Church and you were born for such a time as this. But you know also as well, there is a constant battle going on for your attention. As I was preparing this word, it was really, really difficult. I remember even sat, I was on a, a day trip with veterans with Rapture. Um, we were at the Arboretum. and I remember sitting in the cafe trying to put together this, this, this preach and, and I really struggled with it. My mind was distracted and the devil, this is a constant ploy of the devil to keep us distracted there is a constant battle going on a war for your mind for your attention to put you into a place of discontentment and not a place in the center of God's will even if you're not aware of it the devil is constantly on the prowl he's looking for ways to take you off that course that fixed course he wants you to have a glance over here he wants you to have a glance over there he wants you to think that 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 cut in that corner, that glance at that person, doesn't matter. It does matter. The devil is a liar. His path leads to death. His path leads to discontentment. His path leads to a shaky foundation. His path leads to hurt, to unrest, to depression, to broken relationships. You know, we need to be aware what our thoughts are on. You know, we need to be aware. We've watched some things recently about megachurches or whatever or read some books that probably haven't been helpful because they've put things into our minds that have distracted us off the main thing of Jesus and what he's building in this place. It doesn't matter about glancing over there or what they're doing or what they're doing. The main thing is fixing our eyes on Jesus. What is the plan? What is the vision for this church? What is the plan and vision for your life? 
Be aware of your thoughts. Submit yourselves to God. Surrender him. Examine your hearts. You know, more than ever, we're in strange times, aren't we? The cost of living crisis, the, the, you know, the, the heat wave and the, the, ra- the random things that are happening with our climate. You know, we need to keep ourselves on point. We need to keep ourselves fixed on Jesus. We need to be like that story in Daniel where we are refusing to worship another God. And that God for you could be lots of different things. You know what it is. God is speaking to you now and you know what that is. You need to keep your eyes and determination to serve God and God alone. Matthew Matthew 16 verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Do you love how the Bible says how it is? (laughs) It makes us feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? You know, God has a unique job for you to do. A job that will make you content. The only job from God, uh, the only job that you can get for the, the, the only thing that, what am I trying to say? You can only be content when you see and do what God has created you to do. You know, you are totally loved by God, the God of heaven and earth. And he has a plan that will bring you the greatest joy and satisfaction. But are you walking in that plan and that satisfaction? Do you feel unsatisfied? Do you have a lack of joy? Then maybe you're just missing what God has got for you. Because sometimes, you know, God has opportunities for you. And they're just there for the taking. But he's waiting for you to get ready. He's waiting for you to stop glancing over there or over here. He's waiting for you to fix your eyes on him. And then the opportunity will present itself to you. You know, and that's when the greatest satisfaction will come. Matthew six thirty three. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, and then all these things will be added to you. You know, more than ever in our world, we need to be authentic, uh, having an authentic relationship with Jesus to example to those around us. Not a wishy-washy, indifferent relationship. A, a, a relationship that says, no matter what, I will serve and worship Jesus first. You know, Jesus encourages us in his word, doesn't he, to run our race with perseverance, with our eyes fixed on eternity. You know, and I love how my mum is a great example of this, um, that as she's got older, she's 76 this year. I love how she values her time with Jesus. She's in the second service, so I can embarrass her a bit more in this one. But she, she literally, absolutely, if I go around to her house, her Bible's always out. She, she makes time, she, she looks up things to Uh, educate herself more on different things and she really loves that intimate relationship she has with Jesus she doesn't think actually I've done enough study in my 75 years to get me where I'm going she really wants to know Jesus deeper and deeper you know because in his presence is fullness of joy and in his right hand there are pleasures forevermore that's a promise from Psalm 16 You know, by loving God with all our heart, we position ourselves in that place of contentment and joy, regardless of our current circumstances. Paul sums it up like this in Philippians 3. I am not saying this because I am in need, but I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So to have this even-if sort of faith, we need to know God. We need to know his character. We need to trust that he is that good father, that whatever the outcome, that he knows best. 
even if he doesn't faith, trust God, whatever the outcome. As, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, Isaiah. Are we longing to build that even if faith? It's about allowing God to be God in our lives and not expecting him to act as we should, as we think he should. Finally, loving God with all your heart. So loving God uh, with all our heart gives us contentment that can only come from God. And loving God with all our heart puts us on that firm foundation. And finally, loving God makes us complete. You know, we can all look in all sorts of places, don't we? I've done it in the past. Um, we look for things to complete us when actually there's only God that completes us. We look for maybe relationships to complete us. We look for things to complete us, children to complete us, money, careers. And actually, we can spend all our lives looking in the wrong places. You know, because no one else can meet your needs like Jesus can. You know, it's so much pressure in a relationship if you're looking for that other person to meet and fulfill your needs. You know, sometimes we look for, we, we hear of empty nest syndrome. And I did have a bit of this when my youngest daughter left and Richard got me a cat. There's nothing wrong with that. But we can, we can you know, when our children leave home, there's a gap that we try to fill. And actually, we try to fill these gaps with lots of different things, don't we? When actually it's Jesus that can only fill that. Jesus can give you a love, a, a love like no other, inner peace, joy, contentment, and wholeness. All the other things flow from that relationship with God. And I love this verse in um, John 15, verse 5, and it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, it's the source of all we are. A relationship with Jesus sets us free to be exactly who God created us to be. Jeremiah 17 verse 8, I love this verse. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. That's what we need to be, connected and remaining in the source. The key thing is remain. We need to remain little by little, day by day, putting Jesus first. It takes time, doesn't it? We got uh, gifted a clematis tree and it started off as a little, tiny little seedling. And now it's like, it's winding its way up over our pergola and hopefully it'll grow and grow and grow. But it's, it's like, it's been lovely watching it grow little by little. We need to remain and remember that Jesus is the source of everything else that we're looking for. True freedom is only found in Jesus. Completeness can only actually be found in him. You know, and do you know that God is jealous for you? He wants all of you. He wants your whole heart. He wants to be your first love. Not because he's controlling, but because he's a loving father who knows what's best for you. He's got gifts for you that will give you great joy and fulfillment. Let me just tell you a little bit about our family, mine and Richard's family. So our family is very uh, noisy and very, um, very loud and there's lots of us. So on a Friday, typical Friday in term time, we might have Hudson who's two, uh, nearly two in the day 
Um, and then we pick up Ari and Avi, our other grandchildren, from school. And then we come back to our house and it's crazy and there's colouring going on and one of them's in the hot tub and, and there's water everywhere and wet towels. And then the children come for tea, the adult children. So we've got um, Lauren and Steve, we've got Ross and Helena, and then we've got Emily and Rebecca. Now, recently, uh, my eldest daughter, Rebecca, has been living away from home in Tanzania and now she's in Guernsey, but she's not been there. And our house is full of busyness in that time. On that Friday, it's full. It's noisy. It's messy. I'm making tea for everybody. So there's enough. There's enough to do. And Richard's helping me. Yes, he does. He helps clear up. He does. He's good at peeling potatoes. And, you know, he is very good, actually. We're a good team, actually. We're a good team. Um, Anyway, the house is full. But actually, in my heart, even though there's lots of people running around and it's a lovely, happy time and, and we love it, um, I know there's one, one child missing. You know, as a mum, although I'm busy enough, with all, I've got enough children there, I've got enough grandchildren there, I know that there's still one missing. And you know, that's how God feels about you. When that position that I started with, saying that if you put in God first, if he slipped a second or third or last, God knows that you're missing and he's jealous for you, he wants you back. You know, God has been pursuing his children from the beginning of time. You know, we see um, in Genesis how Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they hid from God. And what does Jesus do? He's not angry with them. He calls out, where are you? Where are you? And Jesus um, uses the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin to teach us that God is pursuing us. You know, Jesus wants us to understand his heart for us that he's jealous for us, that he wants your full attention, he's got things for you, he wants to know you and for us to know him intimately. And he doesn't want anyone to perish. You know, and maybe today God is calling you back. You know, maybe your love for him has has slipped into second or third or last place and he's calling you back to discover that first love with him. He wants to show you how much he loves you. He wants to show you all those things that you're worried about, all those things that busy us in our minds, all those distractions. He's calling you back to show you what he thinks about you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So loving God puts us on that firm foundation. You know, let's be like Mary, choosing the better thing. Let's stop and seek God. Let's sit in his presence. Even now in worship, let's sit in his presence enjoying him. Let's stop and just be with him for this time. Are you living uncontented? Are you living with discontent? Is that you today? Loving God and putting him first means that you can live in contentment and joy, whatever your circumstances. God can give you that even if he doesn't faith. It's your confidence in Jesus this morning. Are you looking? Are you glancing all around? Is your eyes fixed on Jesus? Are you looking for other things to complete you in your life? What is it that's come in that place? What has it gone into top place instead of Jesus? Total satisfaction, total joy, total peace comes from Jesus. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God, I just pray over this family here. You know, we are family. God, I thank you that the bridge is unique. 
I thank you that you're calling us into something that you've purposed for us as a church before the beginning of time. God, I pray as you are calling us back, God, today to keep our eyes fixed on you, to not be distracted to the left or the right, but to keep our eyes steadfast and steady on you. God, I pray that, God, that you will um, show us, God, how to, how to love you the way that you want us to love you, God. God, I pray that as we sing now, God, that as we stand in your presence, as we rest in your presence, that this place will be filled with joy. This place will be full of contentment. And God, as we reset our hearts, God, to focus purely on you, God, I pray that you will do what only you can do in this time. Amen.